Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the longest running Bigfoot podcast on Blog Talk Radio. The original Squatch Detective Radio featuring your host, Steve Coles and Chris Bennett. Three decades of Bigfoot research, two decades of Bigfoot radio. Here we go. 911, what are you reporting? Uh, we got someone or something crawling around out here. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail. Uh, all I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature, and I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, in the whole night, this isn't a man. And the whole time, the whole thing was shadowing us, right behind us, right on the side of us. You could, you could kind of see the thing moving through the woods. There are thousands of perfect people whose word would be good on any other subject who describe getting a good look at an enormous hair-covered upright animal, and that is a fact. And good evening, cyberspace. Welcome to Squatch Detective Radio for today's date, January 6th, 2019. And hello, Happy New Year, Chris Bennett. Hey, Steve, man. Happy New Year to you, buddy. And a belated Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. <laughs> I yep, hope you yep. ended the, the year well with a bang and uh, everything went well for you in New York. I, I tell you what, the uh, the second half of last year, uh, was phenomenal. Um, you know, people have been asking me a lot if I've been out uh, any uh, uh, any um, any time lately, and, and the answer was no because a lot of the year I was turning around building my business and yeah. uh, and, and you know doing other stuff. So I mean, literally, um, it, it's it was uh, what a productive last half of 2018 it was. It was a rough starting out the year last year. Yeah, but uh, yeah. now, now uh, everything is in line, so it's going to be a busy year this year for me. I can tell you that. Um, you know, gonna. I, 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 you know what? It's <clears throat> 2019, and it's still hard to believe that this show started in 2006. Wow. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean. <laughs> The show in another year. This show is going into its third decade. <laughs> and you know, time time flies too because you know I, I'm just now getting used to writing, you know, 2018 on the checks and stuff. And now here we are. I've got to learn a whole new year, which that takes me forever. Yeah. You know, of course. Uh, normally, you know, uh, I'll just use the paper, the card. That way, you don't have to worry about the writing the date. They let the machine yeah. do it. <laughs> well, you, you know what it is is that you know uh, you know I'm, I'm an investigator by trade, so I, yeah. I write a hell of a lot of reports. So now it's like, oh, yeah. did I put 2018 or 2019 on that? And you know, I, I have to send affidavits to court, and it's like, oh, did I put 2018 or 2019 on them? Just the last yeah. couple of days, so I'm just holding my breath. Everything is good, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's. It's uh, and you know, we're gonna get into this when we get our guest on tonight. Um, mm-hmm. But it, you know, it, it seems like all of a sudden we've had the, a, a flurry of activity in the Bigfoot world, like almost like it's a race this year. Yeah. It's very interesting, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, 
you know, uh, it's yeah. just uh, unreal. And, you know, we was past week I noticed that we, we had a few deaths in the celebrity world. And one that I really, really uh, felt bad about was uh, Bob Einstein. And people who don't know Bob yeah. Einstein, he was Super Dave Osborne. Mm-hmm. And uh, for people who don't know who Super Dave was, just go on YouTube oh. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and check it out. Super Dave was like, he did this comedic act. He was like a shill on Evil Knievel. And, you know, it, it, it was funny as heck because, you know, you know the stunts. At the end, whatever he was doing would go horrendously awry. And uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was like, even evil, when, evil, evil's worst day on every stunt. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the funny thing was, is I realized in watching this now, it was never his fault. It was always the people yeah. around that were messing things up. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, whether they parked the bus too close to the magnet that was on his chest or uh, right. you know, they left the car in reverse when it should have been <clears throat> forward. Or, yeah. Um, but uh, even when he went on vacation <laughs> and, and he was yeah. playing the piano on the top of his RV and uh, yeah. he got smacked by a low bridge. Um, yeah. Yes, and that's right. He was... He was Albert Brooks's brother, for those who know the actor Albert Brooks. That was his brother. And, uh, you know, he worked till the day he died. I mean, he was on Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, with Larry David, which is a funny show. Uh, Great, great play on um, some uh, cerebral type of comedy. Um, But he could could do it all. I mean, if you ever watch this Super Dave. Yeah. If you ever watch a Super Dave skit. There was always a lot of cerebral comedy leading up to the slapstick ending, and that that was what made it really great. Right. You know, uh, you know, with you know, like, oh, there's Dave being strapped in in the in the fire resistant Saskatchewan seal skin yeah. binders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, what the hell? Oh, um, he's a great, great comedian, man. He he did a, he had a great presentation. I swear he could have been an actor had he wanted to be because. He was always portraying, you know, more or less the victim uh, in his voice uh, while he was uh, doing interviews. Yeah. It was wonderful. It, it was wonderful. And he will be sorely missed. He was a great guy. I hate yeah. to see him go. We all got to go sometime, but, you know, just hate to see him go. Yeah. And and I'll just leave the one quote. I just got run over by a tow truck. Everything is broken. <laughs> yeah, Dave. How are you, Dave? I just got ran over by a tow truck. I think everything's broken. (laughs) Oh, man. uh, Funny stuff. So, anyway, we got a great guest on tonight. Um, Oh, yeah. And for folks who don't know, you've probably seen him on the the boob tube somewhere. Uh, Like me, he's been on Monsters and Mysteries Unsolved. Um, He's also been on um, Finding Bigfoot. And uh, Les Stroud, uh, Survivor Man, um, and he's got some projects of his own. Uh, so let's get uh, our guest tonight, the Crypto Hulk himself, Jeff Stewart. Hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. How are you all? Good deal. Uh, great. And uh, how are things in the, in the uh, huge state? The big, everything is big in Texas. How's everything in Texas? Well, today was a sad day in Texas. It was the last day of deer season for 
you know, we're all kind of moping around, but that's okay. There's plenty of hogs out there, so we're, we're going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask uh, just, a, uh, uh, just a generic question on Texas. Does hunting season ever end in Texas? Not in general. Um, we have, you know, lots of seasons, you know, deer season, which our archery season for deer starts uh, in yeah. the last weekend of September, and then it runs until the first weekend of November, which then general rifle season starts, but you can still archery hunt, muzzleloader hunt, whatever during the general season. It lasts until the first Sunday in January, then muzzleloader season starts then and goes for a few weeks. And uh, then we have squirrel season that lasts on through February and uh, hog season. It's open season on feral hogs year round. Uh, so we pretty much got a, the only time we quit hunting around here is when it gets so hot that we can't stand it. Right. Now, is it true that if there was a period of time in Texas where there was no hunting allowed at all, the state would probably go into a state of mourning. <laughs> we, you would probably see something akin to, uh, you ever saw that, that movie, um, oh gosh, trying to think of the name of it, where like one faction turned into like knights from the old days, another faction were cannibals, and the other one yeah. lived behind the wall in Britain. Uh, apocalypse or something like that was the name of it. That would be Texas. Texas, that, that, that's what would happen. You'd have your same people in the cities and out here in the country. It would be like road warrior type stuff going on on the highways. And well, <laughs> well, that's the thing about the that's the thing about the Texas and Kentucky. I think we're we're really related. Is there's always a a hunting season or a, some sort of game season, so you can kill something. Because they have to keep the murder rates down, and uh, they let people go out and vent by, you know, blowing away a wild animal or beating up on a fish, and uh, that keeps the murder <laughs> rates way down. Well, in, in, in accordance with Squatch, in, in accordance with Squatch Detective Radio rules, since our our guest is from south of the Mason-Dixon line, Chris, you will be my interpreter for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I could actually understand Jeff pretty good. You know, he speaks my language here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so anyway, Jeff, what's new? What's going on, brother? You know, you, you know, tell us about. Now, you did a uh, what was it? Something in the woods. That was one of your videos you had done before. Um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that and where people can grab that? Um. I was consulted on a movie with uh, director David Ford, writer-director, and uh, other Bigfoot enthusiasts such as Michael Hall and, and quite a few other folks. And uh, um, Brian Impey was in that movie as well, um, really one of my best friends and, and a great Bigfoot researcher. Um, yep, absolutely. We all kind of collaborated on something in the woods and made a really great Bigfoot movie. It was made on a low budget, but nothing was spared as far as quality. And um, David Ford really, really uh, became a good friend of mine. And uh, we made that movie, and it can be found. Uh, you can actually watch it on a, a, a Amazon Prime. Uh, you can buy it off of Amazon. Uh, you can contact me. You can contact uh, 
Michael Hall or any of the people that were in the movie, David Ford, you can buy it directly from us or you can buy it online. Um, just a great family movie. There's not one cuss word in the movie, no uh, sex, no anything. There is violence in the movie, but it's nothing that you couldn't sit with with a seven, eight-year-old kid and – you know they couldn't. It's nothing they couldn't watch, but at the same time, it holds an adult's attention. So it's a really great movie. Um, now we have transitioned into our next uh, Bigfoot-related movie. It's going to be the title of the movie is Man versus Legend. Um, we have the script now. We uh, it was handed off to me. I'm kind of the assistant director slash um, script supervisor slash prop maker. You name it, but uh, <laughs> it's not to me for other work. I don't want to give anything away yet. But let's just say it is going to be um, a little bit different. This one isn't going to be based on fact, like uh, factual, or, or should I, I shouldn't say fact because somebody's going to hammer me on that. Uh, eyewitness accounts. The first movie was based on eyewitness accounts. This movie is going to be more of your fictional movie. Um, so it, it's going to be a little freer. We're going to be a little more free with what we're going to be able to do as far as yeah. special effects and things like that in this one. And it's it's really going to be a good movie. We're going to start filming in March. Um, should principal filming in March uh, through uh, the first part of April and then post after that. And we're hoping to have a release date for the film, which, you know, it takes a few months to do editing and all that. So we're hoping hmm. by uh, end of next summer to possibly have a release date on that film. Mm-hmm. Awesome. awesome. Good well, deal. You know what? I like to say it. <laughs> yeah, well, I love sure it. Makes anything. Go ahead, man. No, I said make sure, Jeff, that you get a hold of me because – we would love to promote that on the radio show as well when you're ready to release it because we want to get the word out. Right. And another good thing is right now, you know, we're uh, we're still in need of uh, assistance with the movie. So if there's anybody out there that's in our area here in East Texas uh, that would like to be an extra, would like to work on the crew, would like to uh, be involved with the movie or, you know, be a production assistant, Things like that, uh, there are, you know, we need volunteers. Uh, can't really promise anything other than a warm meal <laughs> out of it because none of us are getting paid. You know, we make these movies and we don't get paid. Uh, it's kind of labors of love. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, if somebody's out there, they can contact me or David Ford and, um, you know, our production crew. We can, uh, we've got a Facebook page and everything for the movie, Man vs. Legend. And you can go there and talk to us, and, and, you know, if you can help out, I mean, we would love to have you. Awesome. Cool. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. I'm sorry, I cut Chris off, so I, I will let Chris follow up now. Oh, that's all right, man. I just uh, I, I wanted to say that I love any kind of Bigfoot movie, man. It don't matter if it's uh, like one of those uh, a documentary type or one of the historical that does the recreations from uh, eyewitnesses, you know. I'll, I'll watch anything <laughs> as long uh, as it's not got uh, Bigfoot falling in love with you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that, no. You know, going back to that election again, I'm, Chris? Yeah. yeah. The, the ones that get on my nerves, I mean, i got to say this, the, the movies that get on my nerves are the ones that 
are your typical horror type movie where you've got the very um, buxom half-dressed young lady that for some reason is in the middle of the woods camping in high heels and she runs from the creature and she makes three feet before she twists the ankle in those high heels (laughs) and of course you know and immediately I'm over there going really or you got somebody in the woods and they've got for some reason they've got a gun with them and they've got a revolver and they fire off about 12 or 14 shots and they've never yeah. reloaded this gun, you yeah. know, or <laughs> you know, those types of things. Because I've worked on several movies um, in the past or a few, not really several, but a few. Um, one of which was called Barricade. Welcome to hell. It was a horror movie yeah. with director uh, Timo Rose for Rosacalypse production. And it's basically a cannibalistic, horror movie, I mean, really gory type thing. But that was one of my deals was advising on firearms because I'm a firearms expert, among other things. And Mm -hmm. one of my deals is, you know, they were trying to make shooting a shotgun at something, and it was hitting and ricocheting like an old Western, you know, kind of thing. And I'm going, hold on, boys. Hold on, boys. Wait a minute. (laughs) we got to slow down on this car wheel. (laughs) <laughs> you're shooting a 12 gauge, you know, thought off 12 gauge. You got about, you know, 14 inch barrel on this thing. And you're, you yeah. got, you can see them loading in low brass, you know, probably number eight or number seven and a half shot. And yeah. I know a lot of people don't notice things, but me being an outdoorsman and a hunter, I do. So yeah. you fire this off at 12 feet, this thing's going to have a spread on it about big around as a windshield on a car. <laughs> Yeah. And, and they're making it hit like a rifle shot, and I'm going now. So th- th- those are one of some of my pet peeves, and and I I like to be recruited and help out on movies to make sure that you know we don't fire the revolvers like uh, fully automatic uh, scorpions or right. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, stuff that but, gets yeah. me through about some of those movies, man, when they do the burnouts on the dirt road and it squalls tires like it's on blacktop. Well, that just doesn't seem yeah. possible, you know. But but I appreciate that you're looking into the little uh, movie mistakes there and going to keep those out of the uh, out of the film because those do get a little irritating. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm actually going to be the uh, what's called the uh, firearm wrangler uh, on top yeah. of my other duties, and I own mm-hmm. all the firearms that will be used in the movie. They are mine, so I will be. Uh, making sure that none of them are capable of accepting a live round and, you know, all of those things while at the same time making sure that, you know, if, if you put a magazine in a, in a 1911 45, it looks like you're loading a 1911 45, not you're loading right. a Beretta 9mm and then holding a 1911 in your hand. Just right. a little thing. Right. Like yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I still, I guess I, I think. Go ahead, Steve. One of my, uh, you know, I really think one of the the better Bigfoot movies that that's actually like a horror type of movie. One of the better ones was Exists. I thought that was a pretty decent decent production that Eduardo Sanchez did. Uh, he did the Blair Witch Project, and that that was. I, I don't know if Chris, have you seen Exist yet, or if Jeff has, but that was a really cool movie. I gotta say. Oh yeah. It just yeah. was, was a good show. Uh, whenever that one was being made, uh, I was actually 
still friends with Eduardo at that particular point in time, and we talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, really great script on that movie. Um, a lot of people didn't like, and I, I'm still not a fan of it myself. I'm not a fan of the found footage kind of shaky camera technique. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. I know, you know, Eduardo did Blair Witch was a huge success for him, and kudos Mm -hmm. to him for that. You know, not taking anything away from him. I mean, he did great work. Um, But I prefer the more professional, you know, steady cam, um, high-definition filming, and, you know, scenes. I want my movie to look like a movie. You know, I'm, yep. I'm paying 12 bucks to go in a theater and see this movie. I want it to look like somebody else spent more than a buck ninety five to make it. Uh, yep. So that, that's just my personal taste. Like I said, I, I'm not yep. trying to take anything away from the movies because Exist was excellent. The uh, the story was great. The, the Bigfoot creature was excellent looking. The SFX were mm-hmm. uh, on point, you know. So yep. um, love the ending of the movie there where uh, – you know, kind of drug the campers back to where the dead baby Bigfoot was and everything and kind of mm-hmm. showed you why the mother Bigfoot was going crazy. But at the same yep. time, I will say this. If you've ever seen a movie called uh, The Untold with Lance Henriksen in it, it's a Bigfoot movie, um, probably the best Bigfoot, modern Bigfoot movie that I've ever seen that had a pretty good budget. I still think our something in the woods is better, but you know, I'm biased, <laughs> but the untold <laughs> is a very, uh, kind of similar thing in a way. Um, airplane goes down with this rich yeah. guy's daughter on it. And as the plane goes down, it actually kills a female, uh, Bigfoot. Yeah. And so the male Bigfoot like kills all the people in the plane stuffs their bodies in a hole, and then the father and a group of uh, outdoorsmen and scientists go out to find the daughter and everything. Great movie. If anybody gets to please watch it. Uh, Lance Hendrickson has made, I don't know, probably half a dozen Bigfoot movies by now or more. Yeah. Uh, I, know. <laughs> uh, I, think he actually, I think he actually is a Bigfoot guy. So, I like Lance Hendrickson movies. He's good, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first thing I ever yeah. saw him in, you, ever, you just remember the movie Near Dark with Bill yeah, Paxton. Near Dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vampire movie uh, back in the 80s. Um, just one of the best lines in that movie is Bill Paxton kills this like trucker in this bar. And when mm-hmm. he raises up and like biting the guy's throat out, he looks kind of at the camera and he goes, I hate it when they ain't been shaved. <laughs> You know, I hate it when they ain't been shaved. So I, I, that's just one of my premier lines, I think, from any vampire movie. Oh, God. If you think about it, if you were a vampire and you were going to bite somebody on the neck, wouldn't it bother you if he had like three days' worth of stubble growing on his face and neck? You know, I mean, especially I'm if pretty guy, sure it would. <laughs> I would kind of equate that with eating a chicken with feathers still on it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, this conversation has completely uh, digressed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he's talking about. 
people have seen them in here who talk about Bigfoot, and they're hearing all kinds mm. of stuff. They are going, they're shaking their head, scratching it, and going, Lord Almighty. Well, that's what makes this show a little interesting because you never know where the conversation is going. But I do want to get us back on topic. Yep. Okay, go ahead. Well, uh, I I know Jeff is. Nope. Oh, man. I hate this phone. Fire Fire away, Chris. (laughs) Well, uh, I was wondering if if Jeff could share, uh, like, if he's had a sighting, a personal sighting, or an experience, or an encounter of some type, uh, if he would share that, if he has, and if not, does he have a favorite encounter he could share with us? I have actually, uh, I've had two face-to-face encounters. Um, Ooh. And I could start off with the first one. Uh, the first Absolutely. one happened when I was 15, I was 15 years old, 1986, around in that area. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to give away how old I actually am, you know, kind of gray, <laughs> kind of long in the city. Um, 15 years old, camped out on the Sabine River um, with some friends. We had 580 acres behind three. You had to go through three separate locked gates to get to our river camp. And right. uh, it was me and my buddies. Uh, we were camped out in there. That day, we had spent the day fishing in the river. We would caught a bunch of catfish. We had an old hand pump type whale. And we came back. It was about 100 yards from the camp house. Um, so we came back. We skinned our catfish, and we left all the entrails, all of the guts laying on the ground. We did this because what we would do is we'd go cook our fish, and then later on that night we would walk back over, and if there were any raccoons or hogs or anything eating on those entrails, if it was raccoons, I would shoot them because that's how I made a lot of money as a teenager was selling uh, fur and hides. Right. And yeah. if it was a hog, of course, we'd shoot the hog and we was going to cook the hog. So we ate our fish, and we were laying around the campfire. It got pretty late, you know, probably 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I told my buddies, I said, I'm going to walk over and check the gut pile. Do y'all want to go with me? And my buddies were like, nah, we're all right right here by the fire. You know, we're not as mad at them yeah. as you are. So yeah. I grabbed, had a little uh, 22 rifles called a Marlin Papoose. They're a little short uh, 22 rifle, the barrel just screws onto the gun. You can take it off, put it in a pouch. Mine's called a yeah. Well, I grabbed it, and if anybody remembers the flashlights we had back in the mid-'80s, you didn't have these lights we have now that are 1,000 and 1,200 lumen lights that will fit in your shirt pocket. Um, right. We had the old two- or three-cell D- or C-cell flashlights that had a dim yellow bulb. Yeah. And you had to be fairly close up on something so you could see it. As I walked over there, as I started getting closer, of course, you know, I had my light off until I got close enough, and I turned my light on. I was probably 25, 30 yards from the gut pile, and I could see that there was something at the gut pile. Well, my first thought mm. was it was a couple of raccoons because, you know, we yeah. got raccoons get up to 30, 40 pounds at the biggest. <laughs> so mm-hmm. well, that might be a couple of raccoons. And so I'm walking closer to have my rifle leveled at it. And then I thought, well, no, that's too big to be raccoons. That's going to be a hog. Well, it stood up, Mm. and it stood up on two legs. And as it stood up on two legs, my next thought was, okay, this is somebody messing with me. This is somebody playing a joke on me because there's nobody on this place but me and my buddies. There's nobody else here. Uh, Nobody could have been here because the closest civilization downriver is several miles. Someone would have had to walk several miles through the woods to where we were. 
um, the only one there was only one road driving in, and they would have had to drove past us to come in, plus come through three locked gates, or they could have come up the river in a boat. Well, you know, kind of odd that somebody would paddle several miles upstream in a boat because if they'd right. had a motor, we would have heard it. Uh, just right. to play a joke on some teenage boys. But uh, as I walked closer, I was taking the inch in my way toward it with the light, had my gun leveled at it, and I, and I spoke, and I said, Mr., I don't know who you are, but I'm going to shoot you. And this thing is mm. looking me dead in my face. And I got mm. my light kind of shining in its face. And I got within about 20 feet of this thing. And it's, you know, I hear tale all the time, these creatures being 9, 10, 12 feet tall, my research and all of my stuff, I've never found any evidence of anything that big. This creature mm-hmm. probably six and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm six feet tall, and it was just a little taller than I was. Um, I'm a big guy. Even at that time, I probably weighed about 180, 190 pounds, and it probably outweighed me by, I don't know, maybe 100 pounds. Yeah. So... It was big, but it was not proportionate big enough that I would have said, oh, my God, this is something other than a person. Right. So as I'm looking at this thing, and it's just looking at it, and I distinctly remember what its face and what its head looked like. That's what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever seen a picture of an old Australian Aboriginal from back like in the turn of the century, um, mm-hmm. the very shiny, almost patent leather-looking uh Skin, real oily looking right. skin, but it's mm-hmm. dark mahogany color. Very wide, broad, flat nose, large nostrils, um, but not gorilla or monkey like. Very human parameters here. Lips hmm. are very pronounced, very full lips, but mm-hmm. still within the range of, you know, hey, I've seen people with lips that big. Um, right. The eyes, I clearly could see there were whites to the eyes. None of this. Black doll-looking eyes that some people right. say they see. These uh-huh. eyes, even though they were my, the, my yellow light, they appeared to be kind of yellow-looking, the, the sclera, the white of the eyes. But it did have compound-looking eyes. I mean, it had – you could see the sclera. You could see the, 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 the pupil, the iris, things like that. It had not just a solid black-looking eye. Yeah. And as I'm standing there, and I talk again, I say, Mr., I don't know who you are, but I am fixing to kill you. And at that point in time, I distinctly remember it took three steps backwards, toe to heel. Mm-hmm. And when I bet people say, oh, you saw a bear. No, there, one, there's no bears in East Texas. Uh, there's a few, but not many. Um, mm-hmm. Two, bears cannot walk toe to heel like that. If a bear walks, it walks on its hind legs, it walks kind of clumsily. Especially if yeah. they go backwards, they kind of waddle, I want to say, you know, the way they toggle their bodies going backwards. Um, this was fluid. This was like as if you or I were walking backwards toe-to-heel. It took about yeah. three long strides backwards toe-to-heel, never took its eyes off of me. When it got into the edge of the woods, it turned and it left. Not running, not in a hurry, but walking fast enough that within three right. or four steps it was on the way. It was gone. Well, I went back over there, and I told my buddies, and they laughed at me and said, yeah, man, what have you been drinking? And I'm like, man, I ain't even drinking nothing but Coca-Cola. And, (laughs) you know, they were like, yes, you know, you're just trying to play a joke on us. You're trying to scare us, and it's not working. 
Well, we went to bed that right. night, and I laid down all night long holding that twenty-two. I mean, every noise that, that was made, I was ready to start shooting at something. Yeah. And the next morning, bright and early, we ran over to the thing. I told my buddies, come on, let's go over here to the well. We went over to the well, and there were looked like bare footprints. Now, I wore a size mm-hmm. 14 boot, size 14, mm-hmm. and I could take my foot with a shoe on it and step mm-hmm. inside this footprint that was of a bare foot. And, of course, my buddy mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you did that. You made those tracks, you know, blah, 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 ha, ha. Mm-hmm. You know, and I said, mm-hmm. Me, and I told my buddies, this is Bigfoot, man. This is Bigfoot. I saw the movie, blah, blah, blah. And this is this. I didn't even believe then. I, it was just a movie I'd seen. You know, we'd been to the drive-in to see uh, Black Lagoon and uh, uh, Black Lake, Creature from Black Lake. That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. With Jack Elon. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And, and I'm like, this is what this is. And they're making fun of me. So I shut up. I didn't say nothing else. Yeah. And that was my first encounter. Then wow. about four years ago, uh, or five, my father and I had went down on the same property where I saw the, the had the first sighting. Within mm-hmm. about six or 800 yards of where I had that sighting, we went down there to look for Mayhalls. I don't know if y'all have Mayhalls. Mayhalls are are fruit trees, and they put on a little, almost like a crab apple, but they're sweeter than a crab apple, Mm. but they're about the size of a cherry, and we call them Mayhalls. We make jelly out of them, and they only grow like down in a dried-up creek bed or slough bed. Right. Okay. So me and my dad went looking for those, and I got out of the truck. My dad was fighting cancer and so he mm-hmm. stayed in the truck and i got my gun over my shoulder and i put my camera around my neck and grabbed my bag so that if i found any mayhaws i could pick them and i started walking down the trail it was and it was just a hog trail deer trail and hog trail that went down through some uh hardwood trees and i got several hundred yards from the truck and all of a sudden i heard this loud crash well on both sides mm-hmm. of this uh what we call a uh, protected waterway, you know, and in Texas, if you cut timber, you can't cut within 50 feet of a creek or river or anything like that, any kind of wetland. So uh-huh. <clears throat> this was kind of, I had like 50 feet on either side of me that was woods, and then other than that, it had been clear cut. So I'm walking down yeah. through this place, and hear this loud crash to my left. And I look, and I'm like, okay, what was that? And I look up, well, there's no trees big enough straight up where that noise was at. Now, there were some big trees by me, but over the, where the crash was, there wasn't. So as I walked over there to look and see what was there, I saw that there was a limb about big around, oh, I'd probably say probably big around as a, a soup can and probably uh-huh. about two and a half foot long laying on the ground. And there was no tree that it could have come out of. And it's, you could tell it was there pretty fresh. And about the yeah. time I'm studying that stick behind me a little bit, I, I hear a loud thud at the ground. And at the same time, I don't know if any of you have ever been in an old, what we call a slough bed, but even though it's real dry on top, under mm-hmm. the bottom it's still kind of wet and it jiggles kind of like uh, jello or something. Yeah. So you probably got two or three, four inches of dried dirt on top and still soft in the bottom. So you can feel the earth kind of shake if you jar it real good. Well, that's what Mm -hmm. I felt. Well, I wheeled around, and when I wheeled around, instinctively I grabbed my rifle. 
and it was a 357 Magnum lever action Rossi rifle. And as I slung it up, sitting on the ground a few feet behind me was a creature. And Ooh. for lack of a better term, it was it was a Bigfoot creature. Now, yeah. this was daylight. This was broad daylight. This wasn't the middle of the night. This wasn't, there was no doubt at what I was seeing here. There was no, yeah. you know, low light condition or anything that could have led to me mistaking what I was seeing. Yeah. And this creature was sitting there, and if you've ever jumped from any kind of height, you cushion yourself with your legs, and sometimes it almost feels like an electrical shock has went up through your <clears throat> torso. Yeah. That's kind of what this thing was sitting there, kind of like, ooh, i got to give myself a minute before I do anything. Mm. And its palms were flat on the ground, and its butt was kind of sitting on its heels, and its feet were up under it. And, but its hands were flat on the ground. And I've tried to do it several times. I can't put my hands flat on the ground sitting like that. And I'm looking at this thing, and it's looking up at me. And same features as what I had seen before, the same kind of skin, the nose, everything. This time, though, I noticed the fur on the animal hung from it like dreadlocks. It had mud Hmm. caked in its hair, which this is summertime. This is warm weather, Texas. Mosquitoes, fleas, deer flies, everything is tearing you up out there in these woods. So any and everything is wallowing in the mud to get the flies and the fleas off of it. So that would explain why the mud was hanging. It was a gray, uh, what we call gumbo mud, and it smells like sewer. And this thing was sitting there, and it was looking up at me, and I, I could hear it breathing. I could see its eyes, and it had white in its eyes, but the white was really jaundiced looking almost you know kind of yellow jaundice it's the only yeah. way i can put it but its eyes yeah. were, were brown eyes with the black you know in the middle and just like ours mm-hmm. you know uh, and this thing's looking at me and it's breathing and it's kind of looking and it's kind of breathing hard like it was excited yeah. and i dropped at the same i let go of my gun which was on my a strap I let go of the gun, and I grabbed for my camera, which was around my neck. And when I opened the camera, I had the, sh- the lens cap on it, and when I dropped the lens cap, it banged against the side of the camera and just made a little noise, just a light noise, like plastic hitting metal kind of noise. And when that noise happened, this thing took off running. I, I played college football, played a little semi-pro football. This thing ran faster than any running back or wide receiver I ever played with in my life. Yeah. This thing was fast. It covered about a 40 to 60-yard opening in the woods in, a, I would say, two and a half, three seconds, just yeah. that fast from a dead stop. And wow. I was snapping. I hit the button, you know, snapping pictures as it went, and I got a few blob squatch pictures that I, I, I showed to Cliff Barrickman and a few other people, but I don't really, I don't really share those photos because I hate blob squatch pictures. Yeah. And, um I got pictures of the tracks of where it landed on the ground, and I even got the stick that it threw and brought that home and, you know, all of those things. And and those were my two face-to-face encounters, and they happened about 20 years apart, 25 more (laughs) years apart. But the thing was it was on the same piece of property. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I mean, uh, if we could – if I could get you to speculate a little bit here – do you, do you think that that the creature had jumped out of a tree or something, or uh, yeah? What do you what do you think made I'm, that noise? 
<laughs> this tree had a natural saddle about 12 feet up in the air. Yeah. And I was walking down a deer trail and hog trail, well-traveled, well-used. My theory right. was this this creature was sitting up there with that stick in its hand, waiting right. on a hog or a deer or any kind of game animal that it could eat. Mm-hmm. It probably wouldn't matter if a bobcat or a coyote, you know, it'd probably eat whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I think it was waiting up there for something to walk under that tree. And I think it was going to jump out of that tree on top of it with a club, hit it one good time in the back of the head, and right. drag it off for dinner. And right. I just think that I'm lucky that it did not see me as a meal. Right. You know, it probably <laughs> – it threw the stick, in my opinion, it threw the stick to get my attention away from the tree so that it could jump out of the tree and take off running. But yeah. I think it startled itself when it jumped out of the tree and kind of got a stinger. In football, we used to call a stinger when it jumped out yeah. of the tree and kind of took it a minute to, to kind of, ooh, before it could run off. And I yeah. happened to turn around, and at that point in time, it was kind of – I mean, this whole thing didn't last 30 seconds, you know. It sounds right. like something that would have lasted for several minutes, but it was like 30 seconds. You know that this well, last that's something. And so, yeah, I've talked to a lot of witnesses, man, and they had. Uh, and matter of fact, this has happened to me before too. Uh, immediately preceding a sighting, there's a large thud. Uh, you know, and I compared it like uh, it was like somebody stomping the ground. But you know, uh, you know, we matter of fact, I had a bunch of my buddies together. We we had all heard it at the same time, but. We were taking our boots and stomping the ground and trying to make the same noise, and we couldn't do it. <laughs> so uh, whatever it was that, that jarred the ground had a lot more weight than what we could put to the ground, you know. But uh, there, there's other researchers that, have, uh, that I've talked to have told me they've heard that thud, that big big stomp or a big thud in the ground immediately before sighting. So, man, that just kind of that falls right in with everybody else. And, uh, and in fact, I can, I can recall a NESRA expedition, which is the Northeast Sasquatch Research Association. I can mm-hmm. recall, a, and I wasn't on this particular expedition, but it was around 2006. And mm-hmm. they, had, were, they were actually grilling pork chops at the time this happened, but they heard this huge, big thud on the ground, almost mm-hmm. like... So it was like somebody took a big log and just dropped it, you know, on end on the yeah. ground. Like, so, yeah, uh, very, very similar, uh, very similar sounds. Wow. So, I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's, it's nice to get some of this. And as researchers, it's really nice to get some of this information that's very common that you know, a right. lot of the general public doesn't know, but then it comes up in kind of like our ear flutter thing, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, right. Uh, one of the one of the things, I, and I'll say this to, to to Jeff, I never consider anything a, if there is a visual visual sighting, um, oh, to go with a blob squ- uh, to go with a picture. I don't consider that a blob squatch. Because that was actually seen. It just happens that that's the picture you've got of it. What I always traditionally considered a blob squatch was the, oh, look what I got. You know, I was just taking random pictures and, you know, oh, there's yeah. something that <laughs> looks like a big foot. Red circles around, start drawing red right. circles around black, blurry 
stumps and yeah. pictures. Saying, Look, you can see right. his face. You can see if you, if right. you squint one eye and close the other eye, turn the picture on its side and turn it, flip it over backwards, you can see a face. Let the, let the, yeah. see I, I, I just, I you know, I, I've always. I've always said that, though, uh, Jeff, that, you know, if if somebody says, hey, listen, this is what I saw. This is the best picture I could get because I was in such a hurry about it. It happens, you know. Um, no well, shame in that. All the time, you know, with, with modern technology and everything, there should be no excuse why we can't get a clear picture. But I, I challenge – I would challenge anyone, you know, go out into the forest with your phone in your pocket, not – already set to take pictures and ready to rock and roll, but with it in your pocket or with your camera around your neck, not already turned on and ready to take pictures because, you know, if you leave it turned on, it kills the batteries. So, you know, go out into the woods and just try to take a random picture of, Oh gosh, there's a bird flying across the trail. Take a picture of that bird as it flies six, eight feet across the trail. See if you can get a picture of it, a good, clean, clear you know, 24 megapixel, whatever picture of this bird as it flies across the trail. You can't do it. And it's the same thing with Bigfoot. It's not like we as researchers walk around with a camera in our hand, turned on, ready to go, and we're, we're, you know, there's a noise, snap. There's another noise, snap. There's just in hopes we get that Bigfoot picture. Yeah. You know, because we're looking for tracks. We're looking for... Species, we're looking for hair, we're looking for, you know, other signs, physical evidence that may be, and circumstantial evidence that may be in the area so that we can start looking. And a lot of the times, you know, when you have your, your best reports of sightings are not from researchers. It's from just Joe Hiker or, you know, Jane Hiker or whoever that, you know, are out for the day on a nature trail and they happen to see it, well, they're not investigating. They're not out there ready to snap a picture of something. So when they see it and they describe it, you know, their description is about as the best you're going to get. And when people attack people, other people for saying, you know, why do, there's no excuse for you not getting a perfect picture, go out and try it yourself. Yeah. Well, what people don't, uh, what people don't understand, and, you know, if anybody – I've been a private investigator and an investigator for 30 years. Um, what people don't understand is that with the, even with the digital technology, especially with the digital technology today, um, what we need to do is that when you take a picture in the woods or the forest or wherever you want to call it, what does it focus in on first, the closest object? So. Yeah. When you have something in between the woods or in between trees or behind bushes, um, you're not going to get a clear picture. Um, if you're trying to zoom in, you shake just a little bit, especially just pressing that little button on the, on the, on the camera phone. You're going to move that. So when you're zooming in, as an investigator, I never use a zoom in because what happens is it makes your video very shaky. It makes your pictures blurry. If I'm an investigator and it's raining out, you're not going to get great video because when you're trying to shoot out of a car, that digital piece of equipment is focusing on the raindrop on your windshield or the windshield wipers going back and forth. That's what it focuses in on, and it creates 
blurry pictures. And that's a person that may just be standing outside, and you're going to get a blurry picture of the person. You know, so that's why a lot of times in the old days when you could do it, you, we had cameras that you could switch over to manual focus, and that was the only way really to manipulate that to get around. That was the end around. The problem yeah. is, is when you're trying to pull a camera up, even with a human being who's just walking from their house to their car or their car to the, uh, uh, a, a business, to get that yeah. camera up, to get it focused manually takes time. And if you're dealing with any kind of wildlife at all, especially a Sasquatch, it's incredibly difficult because you also have to remember, I've spoken about this before, that there is this delay. Now, see, Jeff had a second sighting, so he was ready to go with that camera. He snapped into it. Yeah. But the first time, I bet you the first time, you wouldn't even even remembered you had a camera around your neck. You know, because you're trying you're you're trying to process. I was so startled. I was so startled that first time it wouldn't have mattered if I would have had the the best money uh best best camera money could buy around my neck because at that time you know I'm a teenage boy in the middle of the woods with some friends camping and all of a sudden in my mind there was someone messing with me, not some friend right. but some. Because, you know, growing up, you always heard the old stories of the old hermits that lived out in the woods and, you know, wild people and crazy people and things like that 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 lived out in the woods. It wasn't necessarily Bigfoot that lived out there. You know, the old hermit that lived down there in the river bottom, raised hogs or something. And Hmm. so you never knew, and especially, you know, there was a lot of crack and meth being cooked and things like that. And people went down in those river bottoms and just built a shack out of, tarps or something and started cooking them up a five-gallon bucket full of meth. So Hmm. you never knew when you were going to happen upon one of these kind of people that were out to kill you. Right. You weren't necessarily thinking, oh, grab my camera and snap a picture of whatever or whoever this is. You were thinking, hey, I got got to get out of this alive. Yeah. (laughs) Very true. And that that has always been especially – when we're in the South, um, you know, I've been in the, you know, I, I've been extensively through Texas, Oklahoma, um, Louisiana, and especially Louisiana, you know, you're, you're walking through some, some uncharted territory. You never know. I mean, people under, uh, didn't understand, well, why are you armed? Are you trying to kill a, a Sasquatch? No. When, when you're in the woods, <laughs> what if I come across a still? And I bet you if somebody is... If somebody is guarding that still, they ain't guarding it with a stick or a rock. They're yeah. guarding it with a firearm. And the same yeah. thing with well, marijuana grow fields. And, yep. Yeah, I mean, we got, uh, you know, when I was about 12 years old, I walked up on about a five-acre marijuana patch out deer hunting one day. Uh, my father was hunting about three or 400 yards away from me, and I walked to another area of the property that we were hunting, and I walked out into this clearing, and I'm like, oh, man, this is a perfect spot for me to hunt, you know, because it's a clearing, and it's got this nice green vegetation growing in it, and it was about waist high. And I was like, man, I'll uh, I'll set up right here, and I'm fixing to shoot me a deer. And because uh, it was typical, you know, East Texas, still pretty dead gum warm, you know, first part of deer season. We were still in the 80s. And uh, whenever the hunting day was over, I I actually had never seen these plants before, so I reached down and picked a handful of it and 
took it back and said, Dad, you know, the deer eat this? And showed it to my dad, and my dad was like, boy, no, where they get smoke that? It. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, come here, let me show you. And walked over there, and dad said, let's get the hell out of these woods right now. Because it was just some property that we had permission to hunt on. It didn't belong to us. So we got out of there. And my dad reported, you know, what we found to local law enforcement. But, um, you know, it was one of those deals where, you know, what if I, little 12, whatever-year-old boy, had walked up on the people that were growing that at that time, and they just saw somebody step out of the woods with a gun in their hand? They would have probably shot me. Wow, yeah. You never know now. You know, here in East Texas, I don't go in the woods without a gun. I'm like you. People say, "Oh, are you trying to kill big?" No, I'm not. I'm not trying to kill Bigfoot. But I'm gonna tell you what. I grew up in these woods. I've been in these woods since I was old enough for my daddy to throw me in a backpack and give me some milk and some diapers and take me. So I've seen hogs chase people up trees. I've been chased up trees. I've run into uh, diamondback. Rattlesnakes that were big around as my leg. I have run into a nest of cotton mouths that, you know, had twenty five or thirty of them in one wad. Um, <laughs> and just all kinds of things. I've run into uh, abandoned shacks in the woods, and you walk up and you can smell meth cooking. You know, you can smell that formaldehyde and acetone coming out of there. Uh, mm. You know. I mean, there's there's just all kinds of things you can run up on in the woods, and that's what I carry my gun for. Not because right. – I mean, because if Bigfoot wanted me dead, the past 25-plus uh, years that I have researched Bigfoot and spent hundreds of nights in the woods alone just in a sleeping bag under a tree, they could have killed me at any point in time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I consider, uh, you know, I, thought, I think the firearm is a smart idea, uh, it keeps you from uh, being uh, becoming some predator's lunch, too, if you live in an area that does have predators. And, uh, you know, like if I was in the Pacific Northwest going out, oh, man, I would go out armed to the teeth, you know. <laughs> We're talking, I'd, I'd probably drag the old 50 cow out, you know, <laughs> because uh, grizzly bears and, and uh, black bears and stuff like that, man, those, those didn't see you as food. You know, most of the time I have a... a a 1911, you know, 45 ACP yeah. on my side. Um, yeah. A lot of times if I'm in areas that I'm really unsure of, I have one of my, uh, I build AR-15s, custom build mm-hmm. them, so one of my AR-15s is probably uh, strapped across my back. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not out trying to start a war with anybody, or I'm not going nah. to you know, act ignorant or stupid with my firearm. It is merely there right. to protect me and those around me from anything that might happen. And people say, yeah. oh, well, ain't nothing gonna you know, what would happen if we got lost out there in these woods? And say we were lost yeah. for several days. Well, if I have yeah. my AR-15, I can procure food protection right. and you know, if you know what you're doing, you can, you know, utilize a little bit of that gunpowder and a, a good uh, live primer to start a fire if you don't have anything right. else in your backpack. Right. You know, there's lots Makes of things sense. you can do with a firearm other than just shoot something. Right. Right. Signal for help. You know, shoot in the air one shot and regular intervals. Most people that are experienced outdoorsmen recognize this as a uh, emergency uh, help SOS kind of yeah. thing if I shoot a shot in the air ever so often. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, we go with the, the three-shot deal. Uh, you shoot three times in the air and wait. Wait a few minutes, and then you shoot three times in the air, you know, if you get into a bad situation. And everybody that's in the woods will come running if there's anybody there. <laughs> if there's well, anybody know, there. I took a buddy of mine one time, and he, he fell out of his deer stand, and we we didn't, you know, know that he'd fell out. He fell out of the deer stand early that morning. We thought he was just hunting late. And when we found him about dark that evening when he didn't come in, um, I said, man, you know, wish you would have let us know. He said, you know, I, he said, I, I did the whole fire three shots every, you know, 10 minutes thing. Nobody yeah. ever came. And I said, man, we didn't hear yeah. nothing. He said, hell didn't yeah, hear. I shot every arrow that I had. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> he got us. Um. <laughs> uh. That's like the time I got stuck on the escalator. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris is. Oh, come on now, Chris. That was that was funny. <clears throat> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there has been a flurry of um, trail cam pictures that have emerged since the first of the year. Um, there's one in particular that came out. Um, and like I say, they're, they're, you know, a picture is only as good as the story behind it. So we get one trail cam picture, no story behind it, other than it was in one of the Carolinas. I'm not sure if it was in north or south now. And because there is some brindling on the hindquarters, people are saying it's a Sasquatch. What say you, Jeff? One hundred percent, without a doubt, it is a feral hog. There's no question in my mind, and it's not even one of those things where it's just my opinion. I mean, honestly, this is a feral hog. I look at it, I see feral hog. Um, you know, you got to take into account. It comes from South Carolina. South Carolina is in uh, size. You can fit about nine. South Carolina's inside the state of Texas. So South Carolina is only as big as East Texas. So whenever we're looking at the the land mass of South Carolina, they have close to 500,000 wild feral hogs, should I say, not wild hogs, but feral hogs, in the state of South Carolina. Now, you squeeze 500,000 feral hogs into a place that's only the size of East Texas. So Mm. odds are you've got feral hogs wherever you're taking. There's not a single county in South Carolina that does not have a population of them. So you get a picture that looks like a feral hog in a place that is packed full of feral hogs. They don't give us the before pictures or the after pictures of this trail camera. So when you're looking at this, I'm going, okay, when anybody sends me trail, I'll put it like this. When people send me trail cam pictures, I tell them, in order for me to believe that this is a valid picture, I want you to send me five pictures before, five pictures after, if possible, unless this was like the last picture on the camera or something. Right. Yeah. You know, send me send me the series so that I can see because this thing just didn't walk up and sit down and it, the camera took one picture. 
and then it walked mm-hmm. away, and the camera never took another picture. Trail cameras mm-hmm. generally take pictures in intervals that you can adjust, usually from every um, three seconds, five seconds, uh, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, up to one minute, the good ones. Some of your cheaper cameras right. don't have quite so much uh, leeway on the amount of the time frame. <laughs> but most hunters do not set their cameras on the longest time in between pictures, the longest interval, um, because you'll miss a lot of deer pictures and a lot of things like that. Now, the only people I know that set their cameras on real long intervals are hog hunters because you'll get 190 pictures a day of the same 10 or 15 hogs if you got it set like 10 or 15 second intervals. So when I looked at this picture, I saw hogs. I looked at it similar to what you did. I looked at it in the negative form. I looked at it in different lighting situations, uh, any kind of any way I could manipulate it with my software in order to maybe get a little clearer view. And people were saying, oh, there's a face. There's a face right here. Um, I never could see a face. I saw a tail. I saw rear leg. I saw shoulder. I saw the backbone coming down where hogs have that ridge that comes down to their uh, back mm. of their skull. And there were two ears mm. hanging down. And I removed the uh, little branch that was reflecting the IR and kind of pasted in what would be the natural progression from the shape of that appendage that was coming down. And it came right, right. down into what looked like a snout. So if you really looked at it, you looked at a you saw a snout, ears backbone, rump, leg, hog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And hogs can be brindled. Can they not? Oh, my goodness. Hogs Hogs can be just – I've killed hogs. I just put it like this. As far as people that hunt hogs, I've even had one guy tell me that uh, he had hunted more hogs than I had, and I kind of had to laugh at him because um, I actually have – removed hogs professionally from people's property for them for decades. Uh, mm-hmm. So sometimes I kill anywhere from 100 to 150 hogs a year, trap them, hunt them with archery equipment, rifle, whatever, because they do millions of dollars of property damage in the South. So, you right. know, I've looked at tens of thousands of trail cam photos of hogs. I've killed a lot of hogs, hogs that are black and white spotted, hogs that are brindle. Red hogs, blonde mm-hmm. hogs, uh, solid black hogs. I mean, I've killed hogs just about, you know, I've even killed hogs that their fur was kind of grayish blue looking in color. <clears throat> so, you know, when somebody showed me that picture, the first thing I saw was a hog because naturally I see hogs that look just like the picture I saw. Yeah. Right. And if you look at it from the perspective, I know Igor Burtz have put a photo, uh, um, something out there saying how this is a Sasquatch. And But if you look, then if that's a Sasquatch, where the head is, what the heck is that appendage? See, it doesn't anatomically make sense to be a Sasquatch. I will admit, I can see the face, what they're claiming to be the face. But what I see is brindling. And when you put it in that negative light, you can see the head is still very sharp, but the hindquarters, that face goes away. And to me, that says it all. And you can follow where the ear is on on the the left ear of the animal. 
You could actually follow it. You know, if that was an arm, uh, the, the line on the inner side would go up to the shoulder, but it doesn't. So anatomically, yeah. it does not. It, it does not look like. I mean, if, yeah, you could say on, on quick inspection, pareidolia can work in a lot of different ways. You could have pareidolia and say it's a hog. You could have pareidolia and say it's a Sasquatch. But what you have to do in a case like this is kind of outline the animal. And if the outline works with a Sasquatch, yeah. then, hey, guess what? It's a Sasquatch. If it works uh, with a hog in this case, it's a hog. Um, right. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, there's a big car. I know Jeff has been getting a lot of heat from it. Um, I haven't. I actually put a video out and showed people and explained to them and broke the video down a bit. And um, you know, and for those who uh, you know uh, check it out, it's on uh, SquatchDetective.com. Uh, up in the upper left-hand corner, there's the YouTube video I uploaded. Uh, yeah. Breaking that down. Take a look at it. You'll you'll understand that. It was just a quick five six minute video, just explaining. Hey, let's just take a look at this. And uh, right. but again, without any of the pedigree information, like what kind of camera was used. We're, and Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. We're not even seeing the entire picture. We're only seeing a crop portion of it. And that to me lends some suspicion to it too. That somebody's trying to get us. That here's this little anytime cropped out piece. Yeah, anytime I see a picture that is edited before it's shown to me, I immediately ask for I want the raw, unedited picture, period. My first look. Uh, that's what I want. You look at this picture, right. well, generally when your trail cameras, unless it's your generic, you know, buy it off a of wish kind of uh, $20 trail cam. They have the date and time stamped at the bottom of the picture, the number of the picture, the phase of the moon, the temperature. I've got trail cams that tell me the humidity, the phase of the moon, the time yeah. of the day. Uh, yeah. You know, you name it, it tells it on there. And the original picture that I saw, it had no time, so you don't know what time of the day or night. You know, you know it was dark, but that's about it. Uh, right. You don't know if this was num- picture number one or if this was picture number 100. And if this was picture number 100, I want to see picture 99. I want to see picture 98, 97, 96. I want to see if there was a picture of another hog within four or five pictures, four or five frames of this one. You might see that exact same hog but in a broadside picture or in a picture right. where part of the face wasn't obscured by the uh, plant that was reflecting the IR. There's lots of things that you can get that will help answer this question. And whenever, you know, it's kind of like trying to figure out a math problem whenever, you know, you're not given every number. And people say, oh, well, um, blank plus blank equals blank. Well, without giving me two of those three, you really can't figure out. Right. Yeah. This this picture was... To me, looking at it, I'm the type of investigator, this is the way I look at things. And I come from a former law enforcement background. So, I mean, I I do have a little experience (laughs) in investigating. So Mm -hmm. when I come at something, my first thing is, instead of trying to say, oh, that's Bigfoot, that's Bigfoot, that's Bigfoot, I say, okay, I'm going to try to prove that it's not Bigfoot. It's not a cryptid. It's not blah, blah, blah. 
only when I cannot prove when I or, or when I when I look at something and I say, okay, I can't say that it's something else. Then I go, okay, yeah. now I really start investigating Bigfoot. But when I look at it and I say, okay, that's definitely a hog. That's definitely a bobcat. That's definitely a somebody's yard dog or something like that on my camera. Then I start really scratching my head and getting down and dirty with the uh, what ifs, not yeah. the first rattle out of the box. Exactly. Well, well, uh, and there is a question cam uh, picture from, of the hog. Uh, I'm sorry, Steve. I just want to say, get this in real quick. That trail cam picture of the hog is, is pretty easily viewed as a hog if you just look at it, you know. <laughs> Somebody's tried to make you a face out of the back. <laughs> I got cussed out. I have got belittled. I have got cussed out. And I mean cussed out by people that are Johnny-come-latelys around here. You know, somebody that, that only in the past three or four months has, has, you know, started putting out Bigfoot. Oh, they're big-time Bigfoot researchers but they've only been around for a few months, you know, kind of people. Right. Um, but these these people are, 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 you know, coming at me, cussing me out and telling me I don't know what I'm talking about because that's, that's <laughs> clearly a big thing. You know, I'm the guy that I didn't mind going toe-to-toe with Matt Moneymaker on his own TV show. You know, I'm sure they edited all that out. But, you know, um, when I did Finding Bigfoot, uh, Renee and Matt and – uh, Cliff went off to one area of this ranch that we were on down on the uh, Trinity River. And yeah. uh, my good friend, uh, James Bobo Fay, which I love that guy, and he is the greatest human being, he and I went uh, off in our own direction. Well, right. when we got back together, Renee said, uh, Jeff, you're a good, um, you do a lot of calls, you're really good mimicking. Can you share with us some sounds that feral hogs make? And so with my knowledge and my ability, I started making some hog noises, and her eyes lit up, and she smiled, and she's looking at Moneymaker, and she says, hmm, that's exactly what we heard. And Matt's like, no, yeah. what we heard was a squatch. And she's like, no, that's what we heard. And, and I said, exactly. <laughs> I said, Bubba and I heard some feral hogs too, but I identified them immediately as feral hogs, um, yeah. not Sasquatch. And yeah. It was one of those things where Moneymaker was immediately, every noise he heard, that was a Bigfoot. That was a squatch. If if a limb fell out of a tree and crashed, that was a Bigfoot doing that. If a fish flounced in the river down there, that was a Bigfoot throwing something in the river. Um, every noise we heard was a Bigfoot, and every noise I heard, I'm telling them that was a fox making that noise. That yeah. was a coyote. Yeah. That was an yeah. animal. That was a this, that was a that, and all these people are going, wow, this one, he knows all this stuff. This whole time, they were telling me, this whole time, we're thinking all that stuff is Squatch because Moneymaker says that's Sasquatch. Yeah. And I'm going, no, well, you, you ain't heard one yet. <laughs> well, I guess, uh, yeah, I know you're probably the same opinion as, as me, uh, Jeb. When they, when they hear one, they're going to know what it is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be something... Uh, Something well, uh, they're never going to hear the likes of again. Well, there, there, uh, Chris. The first thing I learned. First thing I learned was that these creatures are great mimics. They yeah. can make lots of noise, but sometimes you got to learn. What I did, I learned 
all the noises, all the sounds that all of the fauna make, all of the animals in my area make. I know them by heart. I can mimic most of them myself. So when Mm -hmm. I'm out in the woods and I hear a pelated woodpecker, I know that that's a pelated woodpecker. That's not Bigfoot hitting a tree with a stick. When I hear uh, noises that otters make, if I'm down close to a river or a lake, I know what otters sound like. I know what beavers sound like. I know the noises squirrels make, bobcats, you name it. So if you hear those noises and they're out of place, because sometimes at night I've sat there and heard a red bird calling and an owl answering. And you're sitting there going, well, an owl and a red bird, one, you know, you're not really going to hear a red bird much at night. And two, it's not going to be calling to an owl, which is going to eat it. So, you know, yeah. you, you scratch your head then and say, well, that's curious, and that could be a, a Bigfoot, uh, you know, calling to one another, using animal sounds to communicate. Um, then whenever you hear one make a noise that is theirs and theirs alone, um, it will make every hair, even as a seasoned woodsman, make every hair stand up on the back of your neck. And I don't care if you've got a... <laughs> AR-15 in your hand and 45 on your hip, the hair will still stand up on your back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's no caliber to give you a, a, a feeling of security when you hear that noise. <laughs> no, no. And I'm not scared of anything. I mean, I will fight a grizzly bear with a toothpick. I don't care. I will whoop something's butt in a heartbeat. But I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> That made the short hair stand up on the back of my neck and made me yeah. want to get a, a hitch in my get along and get back to the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, and uh, there was a question in the chat room from Digger saying, How do we know this is a cropped picture? And it's very simple. This is a trail cam picture. Number one, the dimensions of it uh, are uh, basically upright. Uh, it's it's not yeah. a it's a rectangular picture, but it's not hor- on the horizontal plane. It's on the vertical plane. That's number yeah. one. Number two is that we're missing all the data that accompanies right. a trail cam photo, such as the time, the date, uh, yeah. moon phase, and stuff like that. That's all been cut yeah. out. And not to mention, there's no there's no metadata on the photos themselves. Um, and, and as far as I know, uh, you know, you, you once you post it to Facebook, it wipes out the metadata on original photos. That's why I kind of hate where you just see photos on Facebook. I like to see them yeah. on websites. That way you can pull them off and, and, and take a look at them, the real minutiae of them. But yeah. that's the reason why we know it's cropped. It's because of the uh, the way the the dimensions of the picture and the fact that all the the data that is usually accompanied with a trail cam photo is all not there, you know, and we yeah. know which, uh, a lot of trail cameras love putting their little wattermark on there, uh, what kind of camera it is. So, and that's yeah, very, even if you, camera that I've done, whether it's a Moultrie, whether it's a Tasco, whether it's a Cuddyback, I mean, there's just hundreds of different, uh, uh, camera manufacturers out there. Every single one of them, there's a little, insignia somewhere on the picture that tells you what company's camera took that picture. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, 
And I think as far as I know, I don't have much experience with trail cams, but as far as I know, uh, even if you don't do the setup where you set the time, the time and date and year and stuff, uh, it'll still paste something on that picture. <laughs> it might say uh, 2008 Absolutely. or or 2011 or whatever, but it'll still be some kind of date or something uh, information on that pic. A- Absolutely, Chris. most all and, of the cameras do that. There's I've only ran into one trail uh-huh. camera I bought uh, at a local retail store. Uh, after last hunting season, they had them on clearance for like twenty bucks, and uh-huh. this camera takes a micro SD card. And it's only a five megapixel camera, so it takes mm-hmm. doesn't take very good pictures, and it mm-hmm. does not put a time or date or anything on the picture, but it still mm-hmm. has company the the company that made the camera it still has right. their logo in the right. lower right hand corner of the picture. It has their uh-huh. company's logo, and this picture has no logo, no date time, no nothing on it. So immediately, it was manipulated in some way. Right. Right. Now, whether or not that's cutting out, maybe it's cutting out another hog in the picture. And that's my concern. Well, I've asked Mm -hmm. in every forum that I've been on, every page that I've commented on, um, on my page, you know, I have thousands of Facebook friends on my page. Then on my two or three professional pages, I've asked everyone, you know, hey, guys, can somebody please get me in contact with the owner of this photo, the originator, the very, the first person, the one that actually owns this photo. If you know who they are, please get them in contact with me. I'd love to talk to them. There's nobody out there. So it comes back. You remember the photo that started surfacing about three or four years ago that was Looked clearly like a male silverback gorilla. They took the picture from the back. It was supposed to be in some parts. Yes. 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 And then ended up after a couple of years of floating around the internet. Ha ha. Guess what? This was an art project for a promotional purpose for a, uh, some outdoor park or something. Um, it came back to uh, being a triple layered uh, Photoshop of a silverback gorilla. So, you know, it makes you real wary because as technology gets better, even people with a common laptop or even a cell phone today are capable of doing so much in the Photoshop and hoaxing, manipulating, et cetera, kind of thing. So we have to be hyper vigilant as investigators that we accept nothing for face value. Everything right. must be questioned to the nth degree. I don't mean to call anyone a liar. I don't mean, you know, there's people out there that don't believe my eyewitness accounts, and that's okay. I'm not mad at them because it's just my word, you know. And I mean, I'm, I'm yep. not. I, I don't say you got to believe me, or else, you know, your ceiling's going to fall on your head. You got every right not to. But at the same time, you know, as an investigator, I've got to question. As a legitimate investigator, I say that legitimate. I've got to question every piece of evidence that comes across my plate no matter what it is, mm-hmm. even if the Pope himself sent me a picture saying that he had a picture of Bigfoot, I would have to question whether it was truthful or not. It's just being professional. Yeah, yeah right. Absolutely. And I think that's what that comes out to being a good investigator. <laughs> yeah. I always be skeptical and uh, until it's proved right. <laughs> 
it's wrong. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Now, uh, real quick, uh, speaking of videos, and um, this is something that's making me shake my head quite a bit, but um, I know in East Texas there was a guy by the name of Mike Sells, and uh, I don't know if you've caught any of M.K. Davis's uh, videos on the fence hopper. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that particular video, Jeff. Yep. What's your yeah. thoughts on that? You know, it's a very compelling video. Uh, the way they went back and uh, showed how tall the fence was and how difficult it would be for a person of average height to have just kind of stepped over that fence. Um, mm-hmm. I still look at it very skeptical because, I mean, it is a blurry, dark, nondescript picture. And, I mean, I can't say, yes, that's a big thing. I do have to say it's a very compelling video, and it's a very interesting video. And if there is a creature in that area, I would be uh, vigilant on getting some more evidence on that. You know, I mean, right. if it went across that now, field, Surely, you know, since that was a barbed wire fence, maybe, you know, surely there's some hair, there would be some blood, there would be, you know, I can't hardly ever go across a barbed wire fence without cutting myself. Okay, Jeff, so I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop a bomb on you right now. I have seen that fence. I have been to that fence. Oh. It's not a barbed wire fence. It's not. It's not. It's not. It, It is a fence that comes up maybe uh, four and a half feet tall. And Mike Sells was six foot five. He was a tall guy. Mm-hmm. Um, six foot five, man. I, I, you, could probably, uh, you could probably step over that fence. You got it. And in looking, in, in looking at the higher definition video... Because what you see on YouTube isn't really the highest definition I haven't seen. Mm, uh, no, I, I've seen no. I've seen better. To me, I was never impressed the way it walked. It it didn't step over the fence. It actually kind of straddled it to go over it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it went across the fence the same way I go across them going fishing in somebody's pond. <laughs> right, right, right. And my question is this: is that we know Sasquatches uh, in our history have ta- always u- generally used the path of least resistance. Yep. Why didn't Why didn't they just walk around the fence? Because you could walk around that fence. <laughs> and yep. that's There's what a I, gap. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, the other a, thing. That's a good. Yeah. And then the other thing I have is, is that believe it or not, there was about five or six other videos attached to that particular video. I have seen them. Uh, I was invited to a house in Tyler, Texas. I don't know the guy's name anymore. This was years ago. I mean, we're going back. Uh, I mean, these videos are circa 2003, 2000, you know, somewhere between 2000 and 2003. That's how old these videos are. Um, Because I first saw that video the first time I ever saw the fence walker was in 2006. So, I mean, that's how old these videos are. They're nothing new. They're nothing at all. And um, 
And uh, yes, Digger, they were on VHS tapes when I did see it. Um, and uh, so it, I, I have I have issues with a lot of it. And um, you know, in in seeing that, and the reason why I say that is because Mike Sells uh, led us down to a series of tracks at Pat Mays Lake at one time. And the tracks ended at the edge of the lake, and the two feet, the two tracks, were side by side. And if you're talking about a creature with a 17 to 18 inch track, which these were, six six inches wide, I don't know how it could stand there comfortably with its feet together. They would be more straddled. No. They would be feet apart, and they would be feet right. apart. So that made to me the tracks extremely suspect. So you know, because even take somebody like me. I mean, I'm I'm six foot tall. I'm a big guy. You know, I'm I'm close to three hundred pounds. Uh, have a size fourteen foot. When I stand, I cannot comfortably stand with my feet touching like close together like that. When I stand, my feet are I would probably say. A minimum of ten inches or so apart. Yeah, exactly. For me to be in a natural state. And then there's the history of what allegedly was going on on the property that's completely left out. Uh, Mike Sell's wife, at the time, was claiming that Bigfoot was leaving her drawings. And I actually saw some of those drawings. So here you have this whole minutia of this story that just does not make any kind of sense. Like, literally, it was drawing stick figures and communicating with Mike's wife. And that's when, you know, I said, I realized that this whole thing was was kind of, uh, you know, weird. I mean, I was at Pat Mays Lake. I got some tree knock responses, tree knocks back. But guess what? Tree knocks mean nothing. That could be somebody sitting there waiting for us to tree knock and tree knocking back to us. So, but I will say and you know, Here's another thing yeah. about tree knocks. Bigfoot has been so commercialized, and the wood knocks, I mean, good Lord, I even wrote a book called Wood Knocks, you know, so uh, with, with David Weatherly. So... Uh, you know, wood knocks. Everybody knows about wood knocks. So it could be a, if you're around a, a populated area, um, even if the houses are a mile from you, and you start beating on a tree and you get a response, there's no way you are you can know that it's not someone responding to what they think is a wood knock, or right. you know they are like, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just going to whack on this tree back at them um, because yeah. it's so commercialized. Yeah, back then it wasn't. I mean, we're talking when I when I had these tree knocks experiences. This was in two thousand six, twenty oh six as well. So it was it was pre find pre finding Bigfoot era. So tree knocks weren't as popular as you know. Let's face it, finding Bigfoot brought a lot of this stuff out into the open. Some of our yeah. things we know. So, but notwithstanding that, uh, I, I, you know what? We got two minutes left to show. <laughs> So, oh no! Oh, yeah, man! It always man. goes so fast whenever we're talking because I mean we have such a good time just shooting the breeze. Dang! We yep. just got started on wood knocks, and I was going to do the last half hour on that, man. <laughs> yep. 
But um, but Jeff, Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, for um, coming on tonight. It's been a great conversation. Uh, great, uh, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. Uh, I always tell people it takes an act of bravery to talk about your sighting, you know, your sightings. Um, even though I know there's been some time that has elapsed, but I want to thank you for coming on. And if there's anything yeah. you want to promote, websites, Facebook pages, please do so at this point. <laughs> Really, if anybody wants to look me up, uh, you know, of course, Facebook, uh, Crypto Hulk, Jeff Crypto Hulk, you can look me up there. I'm pretty much open. Uh, I don't play the woo-woo stuff, so I don't do Invisible Bigfoot. I don't do portals or phasing or any of that stuff. So um, don't don't be offended if if I don't go there. But uh, you know, I'm open book. I'll talk to anybody. I will. just I love, you know, chatting with people, so no big deal there. Holler at me. If you want to read some of my stuff, uh, Wood Knox, Volume 2. Also, the Texas Jack series of cookbooks. I am uh, one of the Texas Jacks, so you can look me up there. Also, uh, fishgame.com. I'm an outdoor journalist for Texas Fish and Game Magazine. Uh, oh, my goodness. uh Something in the Woods uh, movie, and also our newest movie that is coming out uh, hopefully next summer uh, is going to be Man vs. Legend, a Bigfoot movie. So uh, look that up on Facebook. Any of this stuff uh, you can find on Facebook. If you have any problems, please just shoot me a message. I mean, I answer everybody. Uh, that's why he's on the show. He answered me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Lord, man, we've been friends for so long. I mean, your show, I think the first time I was on your show was, oh, my gosh, man, what, uh, 2007 or something? Yeah, it was, it's been a while. We got to get you back on more often. <laughs> so, I mean, we God, had such a blast. <laughs> yep, amen to that. Well, folks, uh, thanks again, Jeff, for coming on. Uh, our live Man, feed has you. just ended. Our live feed has just ended, but uh, for those who are going to listen to us on podcast, on uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Store, and iTunes, uh, we're still on the air. But uh, we want to wish uh, <laughs> everybody a, a great week. Uh, Chris, any final parting words before we go? Oh, I just want to thank uh, Jeff for joining us. He was a great guest. Uh, thanks to all the listeners for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thank Thanks you, my brothers. You. Again, everybody, have a great and safe week. God bless, and, of course, keep on squatching. We'll catch you all next week here on Blog Talk Radio Live, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Squatch Detective, squatchdetectiveradio.com. Visit us at squatchdetective.com, and we'll see you here Next week, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on BTR. Thank you for listening to Squatch Detective Radio. Join us each week on Blog Talk Radio, Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern, as your hosts, veteran Bigfoot researchers, Steve Culls and Chris Bennett, bring you guests from around North America, exploring the mystery of the beast known as Bigfoot. Bigfoot.